But this morning, I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord because we're in part three of a sermon series that we're calling Coal Mining for Purpose. Coal Mining for Purpose. And if you weren't here for weeks one and week two, I, I'm just super pleased with what God has been doing through this sermon series. And then week number one, what we've been doing is we have been taking scripture where coal is mentioned and we've been applying it to our lives, right? And so week number one, we talked about how coal was valuable and how in Leviticus in the 16th chapter, which was known as the Day of Atonement, there was a priest who found a piece of coal on an altar and took it into the presence of the Lord, right? And we correlated that with us. Christ found us on an altar of repentance and then took us from that altar and placed us into the presence of the Lord. And then week number two, we talked about how coal, it, one of the greatest attributes of it is its ability to what? Burn. And so we started talking about that and we said that if we're going to burn for God with holy passion and holy fire, where are we going to be found? We need to be found on an altar. Amen. And so today, uh, you know, I, I'm excited about today, but it's going to be a hard one. Okay. So I'm just going to pre-warn you. We might not have a lot of shouts. We might not have a lot of amens like the past two Sundays we have. But the truth is, is that we need to hear what the Bible has to say. Amen. And so this morning, I want to just start off by saying this. I owe my wife one. Okay. And what I mean by that is this. The other day we were in the house. If you want to, go ahead and be turning to Romans chapter 12 while I tell this story. That way we're not wasting a lot of time. Amen. So Romans 12 and 17 is where we're going to start reading. But the other night we were at the house and, you know, it was just a normal calm night at the house. And uh, I am in the bathroom and as I walk out of the bathroom, my wife proceeds to jump out from behind the bed and scare the ever-loving bejeebus out of me, okay? And sent me into a minor cardiac arrest, okay? And uh, so this is normal activity for our house. I am constantly scaring people in our house and uh, Allie is not so much scaring people uh, if you're a guest in my house you need to be aware that there's a chance that I might scare you okay because that's what I like to do and uh, but most of the time it's me who does the scaring and I want to share a video of that because it's just fun to share All right okay so check this out <laughs> so it's normal for us around the house what's funny is is little rafa is in the mix too you know he's learned and developed his own little personality and he'll hide from you and then just be like boo and so you have to act scared and so but that's the norm for around the house but when my wife done this to me i looked at her and i said it's coming you be ready because you've got one coming. I owe you one, right? I said, you just wait because it's coming. No, When you least expect it, I'm going to get you, right? And so, but the truth is that that's all fun and that's some humor this morning. But in reality, we are all guilty of that kind of attitude, aren't we? And what I mean by that is, is when somebody does us wrong, we immediately find this attitude in us that says, man, I can't wait for them to get theirs. I can't wait 
for them to get what's coming to them because it's coming, right? Regardless, and some of y'all are looking at me super spiritual this morning, but the truth is, is all of us are guilty of that kind of attitude. And so I wanted to bring the scriptures into this this morning because Pastor Joe has an opinion and you can refute my opinion with your opinion. You can say, hey, Pastor Joe, your opinion's not good or your opinion's not right because my opinion is this or this. But whenever we believe that the word of God is the truth and the word of God is where we should pull our our uh, morals from, then we have to kind of lean back into that. So Romans 12, verse 17 is where we're going to start this morning. And if you don't have it, uh, we're going to have it on the screen for you as well. But here we go. Are you ready? Number one, number 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. 18. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to read that one again because that one, when I read that the other day, it was just like gut check, right? It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 19. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, Leave room for God's wrath, because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. In verse number 20. But if your enemy is hungry, what's it say? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Right? For in so doing will heap fiery coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Let's pray. Lord, right now we just ask that you open up our hearts, till back our hearts, the ground of our hearts, the hard places in our hearts, God. And let this sermon just penetrate through, God. We want to be changed when we walk out this door. We want to be different when we leave this room. We want to have an encounter with you, God. And we want to be more mature in your spirit. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. So here's what I want to say to this first thing this morning to you is this. Context is everything when we talk about Scripture. Context is everything when we talk about scripture. I can make the Bible say anything I want it to say if I read a verse out of context. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the thing. Context according to the Webster Dictionary is the circumstances that form the setting for an event, a statement, or an idea, and in terms of which it can be fully understood and address. Let me give you a quick example of how context would work today. Let's say it was around Halloween time, and Mr. Jordan showed up this past Halloween with a uh, with a mask on that was just hideous. It was a hideous mask. Okay, and I'm just being honest. And I'm having a convert. Let's say I'm having a conversation with my wife, and I made the statement, "Man, Jordan is ugly in that mask." Right. 
But Aaron goes walking by and all he hears me say is, Jordan is ugly. He misunderstood the context of the statement that was being made. So he didn't get the point that I was making. He heard something else, right? And that's what it means if we take a scripture out of context. We could take it, twist it, and make it be whatever we want it to be. And many of us who are wronged would immediately think, I can heap coals of fire on my enemy's heads. Think about this. If I say, throw fiery coals on their head, what do you think that that would mean? Some of us would be like, "Woo! I'm going to roast them. <laughs> They're going to get what they deserve. It's coming to them. I can't wait for it. It's going to burn, burn, baby, burn. You know what I'm saying? You know, I mean, if I threw physical coals on your head, ow, ow, it would hurt, right? It would hurt. In our modern culture, it's easy for us to want to get even. It's easy for us to want to settle the score, even the playing fields, or just simply get back to them, isn't it? One reason why I think that is, is anytime I think of revenge, I think of the movie, well, it's, it's the best movie under the, the creation of the sun. God gave us the gift of Gladiator, okay? I think it's the best movie ever, you know? And if you're not a male, you probably don't think that. You probably think like Notebook or something like that. But the truth is, is that in the movie The Gladiator, you have Maximus Decimus Meridius, okay? And he has been, it, it's just, he's been put through the mill, and his wife was killed, and his son was killed, and their houses were burnt. And he makes this statement, right? He said, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am the commanders of the armies of the north. I am the general of Felix legions and a loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. He said, I am the father of a murdered son. I am the husband of a murdered wife. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And every time I hear that, I'm like, let's go! Woo! You know, it just gets me, it gets me pumped up. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to fight with him, right? And I believe movies and things like this are the reason our culture has wired us to accept that vengeance and revenge and, and animosity is our privilege to hold. Think about it. It's in our music. What goes around comes around, right? It's in our movies. It's in our day-to-day our -day conversations with our neighbors or our co-workers. Can you believe what so-and-so said about me? Can you believe that? You know what? You just wait. You just wait till I tell the boss what happened. You just wait. You know, we have those kind of moments. And it's engrafted into us by culture saying, get back, get even, get back. Get even. And I believe that, that the culture is trying to design us to be like them when in reality we aren't supposed to be at all. Doing the opposite of natural instincts for us sometimes is absolutely crazy, isn't it? It's hard for us to do the, the opposite of a natural feeling. But however, that's what Christ wants us to do. That's how He wants us to live. It's polar opposite 
of what our natural instincts tell us. It's polar opposite of what culture tells us, which is polar opposite of what makes us 95% of the time feel good. Feel good. And, and the truth is, is we're not, and this is contrary to popular belief, we're not always going to feel good and we're not always supposed to feel good. We live in a world that do what you want to do. Follow your heart. If you love it, you do it. You do you, Glen Coco. You know, we hear all these kind of sayings, right? But the truth is, the truth is, is that whenever we give way to that, we set ourselves up for failure when it comes to what God wants us to do. So, which all of this brings the question, all right, Pastor Joe, if you're saying, and this is what Scripture tells us, we read it from 17 to 21, if someone's, let's just read it again, because I think it's good, I think it's good. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. We live in a world today where you don't get honor if you don't give honor. That's the culture that we're taught. How many knows that culture's wrong? Because we are, we are to honor. Honor doesn't mean I agree. Honor means I give on. I give honor. I pay honor. You know, and and I see I you know dealing with youth, and I've dealt with youth in the past, and and they're they're like, well, if, if they want respect from me, they're going to have to give me respect. Okay, respect and honor. Honor. There's things that I don't agree with in our presidency. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. Truth is, he's our president, and we should honor him. We should pray for him. There's things that my bosses do that I don't like. But because they're my boss, you're my boss. I honor you in that position over my life. Come on, somebody. So what we should do, instead of wanting to pay evil for evil, we should, we should be careful to give thought to what is honorable in everyone's eyes. What that means is, is if something happens, people are watching you. I know it's heavy, right? I didn't, I didn't expect a hallelujah, Pastor Joe, from that statement. But the truth is, is that everybody, there's people watching you. And if it's as possible, I love this, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are to extend all avenues, exhaust all avenues to live at peace with everybody. Now, how many knows that sometimes the opposing party doesn't do their part? Amen. But as when it boils down to us, we should do everything that we can to live at peace with everyone. Do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me and I will repay, says the Lord. So that's in the Lord's hands. How he, healed, how he deals with them is how he deals with them. But, verse 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Some of us wouldn't pour fire on, I mean, pour water on somebody if they were on fire. That's how bitter some of us are towards people. You know what? They deserve it. Do they? <laughs> Do they really? I'm going to unpack some stuff. I know. I know it's getting heavy. So with all of that being said, Pastor Joe, how do we do what is right in the eyes of God? I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I know what the Bible says, but it's hard. How do I do it? Cold. I know some of y'all are thinking, well, how's he going to tie all this in? Here it comes. Are you right? You ready? Coal, a coal of fire in the Bible is symbolic 
for purifying and purging from sin. An example of this is found in Isaiah chapter 6. I love this passage of Scripture. This is one of my favorites. Verses 5 and 7. And this is where Isaiah receives an image or a vision from the throne room of God. Can I read it for you? It should be back there as well if you want to move in with me. Isaiah 6, 1 through 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high on a throne. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. There's another translation that says the train of his robe filled the temple. I could preach on the train of his robe for a long period of time. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. But we're not here to talk about that. I promise I will, I will preach on that one day. So good. Seraphim were standing above him and they each had six wings and two they covered their faces with and two they covered their feet with and two that they flew with. One was calling to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies for His glory fills the whole earth. Hallelujah. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah, he said, Woe is me. For I am ruined. How many people know when you get into the presence of God, you are ruined? You'll never be the same when you get into the presence of God. That's what ruined means. He's like, my God, I've never seen anything like this. I'm never going to go back to the way I used to be. I'm completely, absolutely ruined. And he said, this is why. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among people with unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand he had a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, and your sin is atoned for. And your sin is atoned for. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried to put out a fire by pouring gasoline on it? Won't work, will it? Did it work out for you, anybody? <laughs> Let me tell you this. This is going to be one of those tweetable moments. You cannot put out the fires of your life by pouring on things that are flammable. What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? This is what I mean. If we aren't lavishing life, forgiveness, love, grace, on people, if we're not pouring all of those things on people, then what are we pouring on people? Bitterness, animosity, hatred, hurtfulness. But the thing is, is we're not doing it to their face. We hold these points in our lives and, and because we're holding this bitterness against them, have you ever had somebody do you wrong and they just, it, it's like they're constantly on your mind and it nags at you? And because it nags at you, you begin to grow cold towards them. And when you begin to grow cold towards them, you're like, man, I just, I can't stand that person. Anytime they have success, it makes you mad. Anytime something happens in their life, it makes you mad. And that's what that, that's what that is, is that bitterness is being poured on. And that hatred is being poured on. And that coldness is being poured on. You can't pour on love and you can't pour on bitterness on the same fire. One of them will put out the fire. One of them will enrage the fire. You hear me? 
Being kind to our enemies, according to this passage of Scripture, is like heaping coals of fire on their head. What did we say that the fire does? The fire, it purges iniquities and sins. There's a verse in the Bible that says this, Love covers a multitude of what? Sins. And do you know what? For years, I thought that that particular Scripture was talking about Christ's love for us. That's very true. It is talking about Christ's love for us. However, it is also talking about our love for others. There's people in my life that have wronged me. Come on, somebody. They've done me bad. <laughs> you know, said things about me, acted ways towards me, and I wanted nothing more than to watch their demise. But according to Scripture, my job is to heap coals of fire on their head. What does that mean? I am to heap love, repentance, grace, mercy, forgiveness on them, and it will push them. Are you ready for this? It will push them into repentance, and it will forgive their iniquity and their sin against me. I know, I know, completely countercultural, right? Do you realize that some of the problems in your life aren't gone because you refuse to forgive and pour love on people? It's like a seedling in the ground. Some of us, we, we're like, I forgive them, and we put it in the ground. And when you put it in the ground under the right circumstances, that, sing, that seedling is going to what? Sprout. And when it sprouts, it grows. And when it grows, it roots. And when it roots, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem is that some of us buried it and thought that we got rid of it, but instead we planted it. That's good stuff right there. Great preaching, great preaching Pastor Jay. Amen. I'm going to cheer myself on with this one. Because the truth is, is we want to bury things, quote unquote, but instead we planted it. And how we acted towards it is what watered it. So the truth is, is that we're supposed to heap coals of fire on their head. And what that will do is that will produce a repentant prayer towards God. It will produce an emotion of burning shame pictured by coals of fire. And that shame will lead them to repent pictured by purifying power of fire. Do you know what our problem is? Our problem is, and I, this is this is so heavy, but our problem is, is okay, Pastor Joe, I'm going to forgive them, but I ain't never going to forget it. You know what? You've done me that way. I forgive you, but I ain't never going to forget it. You know what the Bible says? That our constant reoccurring forgiveness and our constant reoccurring, uh, reoccurring love and our constant reoccurring grace and reoccurring mercy is literally what's going to drive them to the throne of God. Is there people in your lives that haven't met Christ because you refuse to continuously forgive them? If that's the way their Jesus is, I don't want anything to do with them. If that's the way their God is, I don't want anything to do with them. Okay, Pastor Joe, I hear you. This is good preaching, okay? I see it in the Bible. The Bible says it. You've told me how to do it, but here's the big question. Why? Why should I forgive them? Why should I why should I continuously pour out grace and mercy? You don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. You don't know how they acted towards me. You're right, I don't. 
I don't know. But God knows. Let me take you to a passage of Scripture. Well, let me say this first. One of the worst things for me as a kid growing up was when someone would tell me, don't do this. And I would say, why? And they would say, because I said so. You know, okay, you know, again, I get it. You're my parent. You're my guardian. Whatever you say, I'll do it. But in reality, that would make me so angry. And I still do this sometimes. Hey, you need to do this. Why? I would be okay with doing it if you simply told me why. <laughs> I'd be all right with doing it if you told me why. And, and we still do this. God is obviously saying, Joe, do this. And my answer a lot of times is, why? And wouldn't you know it? He says, because I said so. <laughs> but sometimes that's not enough. It's not enough for us sometimes when God says, because I said so. And I can prove it. You want to know why? Because God will say, do something. We'll say, why? And then he'll say, because I said so. And then we refuse to do it. <laughs> this, it's, this is a true story. I'm not making any of this up. Yesterday, we were at Dollywood with the family. And I all the time look for sermon illustrations because I like to bring it into a real realistic moment in our lives, right? So I'm standing in line with Rafa. We're going to ride this leapfrog ride. And there's a photo of us on, on Facebook right now where we're on that ride. And so this mother has a boy that's this big and a boy that's probably that tall holding him in this arm. And the little boy is so excited. He's just, just excited. And she tells him, son, quit jumping up and down. Son, you need to quit jumping up and down. And he's just, you know, just wired because he's going to get on this ride. Super excited. And she says, son, stop jumping up and down. She said, you can be excited, but you don't need to jump up and down. And at this point, I'm kind of getting mad at her. I'm like, let the dude be excited. He's going to ride this ride. He's, you know, he's let him jump up and down if he wants to. About that time, he jumped, clank, hits his head on the handrail. And immediately, without missing a beat, I told you, don't be jumping up and down. It hurt, didn't it? When I tell you don't do something, mama has a reason for telling you not to do something. I swear all of this is true. And then I realized, holy cow, she's right. He clonked his head on, right on that. This is us, isn't it? We tend to do things that we are told not to. And when we do it, then we understand why. That boy had to learn the hard way. But he did. He was sitting there rubbing his head. He's like, oh, oh. And guess what? The pain passed. Guess what he started doing again? Jumping up and down. <laughs> oh, man. And the truth is, is the mother had the insight saying, don't do this. Okay, so. This is why. Why should we forgive? Why should we lavish love? Why should we lavish repentance? Why should we give mercy? Why should we give grace? Here's why. Luke 7 verse 45 is where we're going to start with this particular part. But up to this point, they were all in a room together with Jesus. There were some Pharisees, his disciples. They were in a room together. And in this room, they were just hanging out. And out of nowhere, this lady 
busts through the door and has a jar of perfume in her hand. And she breaks the perfume bottle and she pours it over the feet of Jesus with her tears and begins to dry it all up with her hair. Okay? And this is where we're coming in. And they, they tell her, they say, they go to Jesus, if you knew this type of woman, you wouldn't let her do this for you. If you knew what she had done, you wouldn't let her even near you. If you knew her past, you wouldn't even let her touch you. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus is a thug. I love it. He says, you gave me no kiss, but she, since the time she came in, has ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For the reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. You ready? For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That line right there really sticks out to me. It says, he who has forgiven little, has been forgiven of little, loves a little. But she, who had been forgiven of much, loved much. Do you know why we should pour grace and mercy and love and compassion on our enemies? Because we were once enemies of God. And Jesus poured grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness on us. Us who our sins were many. Us who our sins are still many. He poured grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness on us. He heaped coals of fire on our heads. And He gave us compassion. Our problem with forgiving people is we have forgotten how much we've been forgiven. I'm going to say it again. The problem with us forgiving people is we have forgotten how much we've been forgiven. There's no longer a list of over our heads of our wrongs. There's no longer a list that God doesn't keep tally anymore. And when He sees us, He sees the cross and He sees Christ and He sees the blood. He doesn't see who we used to be. He sees His Son on our lives. And I want to encourage you in the place this morning. Next time somebody does you wrong, step back for a second and think, I used to be just like they are, but God forgave me too. God forgave me too. I want to challenge us all today. Could it be that we are that one factor in the, the strange relationship that points people to Jesus? Could it be that because we are not willing to say, I forgive you, and I still love you. I know, right? Clinger. There's a, there's a catch there. I forgive you, and I still love you. Pastor Joe, are you saying that we should constantly let people do us wrong? No. It's not what I'm saying. The Bible says that we should live with people, at, with, at peace with people as much as we are able to. But, if they're hungry, feed them. 
but to make a clothing. And what's funny is, is we like to cling to that one part. Okay, Lord, I've done everything that I've done. I've done everything that I can do to make it right in your sight. So I'm not doing any more. <laughs> don't work that way. It don't work that way. I challenge you this morning. Pastor Joe, what does this have to do with us and Cole? Here's the thing. Week number one, Cole was valuable. We talked about the value. God sees value in you. Week number two, we talked about how coal was meant to burn. We're meant to burn. We're supposed to exist on an altar. Here's what the thing I want you to walk away about today with. Coal has to yield to the hand of the holder. Coal don't have the privilege of doing what it wants to do. Coal has to yield to the hand of the holder. And if the hand of the holder wants you in the fire, you're in the fire. And if the hand of the holder wants you to be heaped on someone else's head, that's what's going to happen. What I'm trying to say to you is, is quit trying to do things the way you want to do them. Yield yourself to the Lord. Peace will come when you yield yourself to God. Rest will come when you yield yourself to God. Pastor Joe, are you saying all my problems are going to go away? No. But we're resting in the hand of the Lord and we can trust Him. He's never failed us. And He never will. And I encourage you this morning, let's find ourselves in the hand of God. But I will say this, if we find ourselves in the hand of God, He wants to use us to extend mercy. And He wants to use us to extend grace. And He wants to use us to extend forgiveness. And He wants to use us to draw people to Him. Come on, somebody. Could it be that forgiveness shows people the Christ that's in us rather than them just hearing about the Christ that's in us while we hold our grudges? I don't know about you, but I want to put Jesus into action. And the reason why I say that is, is there's a lot of Christians who say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. Jesus is the best in my life. He's awesome. I love Jesus. Well, the truth is you can love Jesus and not allow Him to work through you. But there's a difference this morning. I want Jesus to work through me. I want Him to live through me. And I can't do that and give someone Jesus while I hold a grudge against them. I can't present someone Jesus when I have animosity towards them. And let me ask you this. This is a heavy question this morning. But what if you were the one that, that, that God assigned that person to your life? You're the only one that's ever going to talk to them about the gospel. You're the only one. You're the only Jesus that they're ever going to get to know. You're their last chance. You're their last resort. What kind of job would we be doing? Could we, could we go to sleep at night knowing that we've exhausted every avenue to push that person to the Lord? Or would we go to sleep tonight saying, you know what? They brought this on themselves. We need to heap forgiveness. We need to heap repentance on people. Come on, somebody. It's hard. It's hard. I had a guy message me the other day. He said, you don't... He said, I hear what you're saying, Joe. He said, but my, my dad was abusive. And it's just hard for me to even look at it. It's hard for me to even have any kind of, of compassion 
towards him and I said, you know what? I get it. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I said, but the Lord had compassion on you. And we need to have compassion on others. And I get it. It's hard. Miss Jennifer and I was talking on Facebook one day and I made this statement. I said, I said, Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. And he loved him anyway. We'll talk about that next week. Be here. Okay. Little shameless plug. Judas was going to betray him. And he washed his feet and he ate dinner with him. I'm not talking about things that are hindsight. He knew beforehand. And he still lavished coals of fire on their heads. Come on, mercy and grace and forgiveness. And I challenge you this morning. I know it's heavy. I know it's hard. And I know it's not going to be easy. But I want to be like Jesus. And I want people to see Jesus in me. And I want people to know who He is. And that comes on the tail end of forgiveness and mercy and repentance towards people. Amen? Amen? And I just challenge you this morning. Will you yield yourself over to what the hand of the holder wants you to do? Will you yield yourself over to how God wants you to respond? How many people know that when we give our life to Jesus, we no longer have the privilege to act how we want to act? <laughs> you know, because the truth is, is there's, either, there's a throne in our hearts, and either God's on that throne or we're on our throne. We don't have that privilege anymore, amen? And so I challenge you, I challenge you this morning. Let's pray.